podcast with music loving people where we rank every single album from worst to first and friends when you've been doing this motherfucking show for five years in fact the day we're recording this is one week and five years ago from the day that our very first episode beyonce ever came out you know you're in for some real fucking shit we've done everything we've done soundtrackographies we've done k-pop groups what else could there possibly be of all the things that we've done let's be honest though We've never gone brown. So this time, that's right, we are getting into it. We're getting into one of the weirdest cult groups of all time. They border on the line of novelty, but yet they are so much more. That's right, we decided to do it. This week we're talking about the one, the only, that group that sounds like it was made up by a guy at a party who's really, really high and is basically nonverbal and is just saying stuff at some point. That's right, we are talking about Ween, Uh, the Moist Boys, if you're nasty. So uh, we... I, was, I think you might need to slow your tape deck there, friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's an Aaron Weiss remastering on that shit right there. Uh, so the Mo- we're going to Chocolate Town, baby. Uh, so uh, the Moist oh, Boys. God. No, that's not what's happening. <laughs> formed by uh, brothers Dean and Gene Ween, even though they're not really brothers. Uh, they were actually uh, two guys who met in high school, uh, Aaron Freeman and Mikey and Mich- uh, Melchionado. That's right. Yeah. All right. I used to know Melchionado. Melchionado. A strong sounds, Italian influence there. Uh, but basically, they discovered a love of home recording as well as a lot of like obscure hard rock bands, as well as a little bit of outsider art influence. And throughout the time, they began recording on four tracks. And over time, eventually, one of those four track albums came out on Electra Records, a major label. They got some MTV play. So they nice. ended up having a genuine uh, cult following as well. And then around the time they put out uh, Chocolate and Cheese, which was considered their very first kind of quote unquote proper studio record, uh, that's around the time that they also began discovering who they are as a live band and then all of a sudden they began expanding and growing their songs in a live setting they began developing a genuine cult audience that came just for their shows alone they are a wild fascinating band and we are going to be ranking their discography today but of course I'm sure you're asking who's going to be doing the ranking we had to get a group together a boys club if you will uh, to determine who is going to be doing it and let me just tell you who it is first off there's me Evan Sadi. you probably know who I am I'm the interviews editor at Pop Matters I'm also the host of this podcast because I love this podcast and if you know anything about this podcast you know the person sitting next to me, the Dean to my Gene, the co-creator of the podcast, Taryn O'Reilly! Hey, baby. How you doing? I am... <laughs> I'm like that smiley face where it's just a big question mark. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Um, this is this has been such a journey. Yeah. I've, I've come a long way from my initial impression of why are we doing this to ourselves. Um, and so I'm, I'm really fascinated to talk about this band with everyone in this room. Uh, yeah. No, this has been... It's been a uh, fascinating... I will say this is probably the most difficult discography I would that we've yeah. tackled. Uh-huh. I needed to take breaks. Uh-huh. Um, you just needed more scotch guards. And that's all I'm going to say for now. Yeah. <laughs> and all I will say is that uh, I think that this is behind you two. This may have been our most requested podcast, although I think the people doing the requesting have actually been our two guests on here. Uh, they are both have both been on this podcast before, and of course, I'm sure you know our first one. This is his fifth appearance on the Chartographers. 
universe. Uh, he is a pianist. He is a songwriter. He is a writer. He is a filmmaker. He's done music videos. And most importantly, he's been on key and vital episodes for us, including, of course, Weird Al Yankovic. And uh, just so many fucking others. Guys, he's here at Studio JC Shikata. He is here. He is living it. He is wearing a hat. It is just incredible. <laughs> How you doing? Has, has it really been five times? Five times. This is your that? fifth time. Because it was Beck and then, uh, yeah, Weird Al. Yeah, and weird Steely is Dan. The, weird is the operative word, yeah. I think. Wait, but what's the fourth one? What's the, uh, oh. The, 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 the Steely Dan. No, we said that. I had I had it up earlier. It doesn't it doesn't matter. <laughs> it was fantastic. All I know is that it was great. I'm so glad you're here. You've been a Ween fan for a while, right? I have. I have. I had heard them before I knew John Harvey, but actually one of my very distinct memories, we were up in Marquette, Michigan together and he put on chocolate and cheese. Yeah. Which I had not listened to the whole thing and I was like, What the fuck is this? I actually did not know this. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, true. I was not I did not know the story. Yet. Yes. So um You're the one who introduced him to this? Well, introduced, but like activated. In, yeah, you, you, acti- you, you activated act- the brownness. You, you kind of activated my uh, <laughs> my in- <laughs> Jesus. You activated my interest in the group. There's <laughs> medication. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of the pusher himself, the one who started as a joke and was like, "There's no way you're going to do a Ween episode," and finally the wish has been granted, marking his sixth appearance on the podcast. And for the record, I should just know both of them, as you know, are Chartographers All Stars. At this point, that's right. The one, the only. You know him. You love him, uh, John Harvey. How you, oh, hey. How you doing? Hey, I, was, I, was, I was, I'm still taking in that intro. <laughs> As well, I mean, well, you should. I kind of took it in like the first three albums of Ween. Yeah, I am. Uh, uh, I, I, I kind of fell for it for a moment when you're like, people have been asking. I'm like, people have been asking? Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's you. I'm like, ah, that makes sense. Yeah. You're the only person who's been asking. <laughs> so if you introduced JC to Ween, who introduced you to Ween? Or did you I, find it on your own? I think I just found it on the... I knew I knew Ocean I knew Ocean Man from the SpongeBob soundtrack. We all knew. Ocean I knew are I knew far from one. the only one. Yeah, yeah, the, the the Spotify play counts are are pretty staggering. That one's at seventy three million, and nothing else is over seven. Like it's just <laughs> I think that is the song for them. I think to really date this, I think it's because somebody used a uh, we. I think they use spinal meningitis on a YTMD bet and sit. Taking it back, and I'm like, I want to see what else is there, and then hey, this is on chocolate and cheese, and went from there. I I'm like- pretty stunned that we're doing this one. One, I did not think I would be back for quite a few more seasons, and there's a lot of other people. I thought, <laughs> I thought it would have been for like the Kinks or Blur, even the the, the long rumored System of a Down episode. Yes, the long rumored and secret <laughs> System. Wow. System. <laughs> so secret, so no one's going to hear it. Yeah. And yeah. I just, but I always pitched it because I'm like, it's, there's, I said, I always said it was a joke, kind of, because nobody does the fucking Ween episode, but I'm like, uh, but I'm like, there's so much to talk about, more than probably even, like, the most other, like, famous artists don't have as much to discuss. Yeah, you hear that, brown-eyed girls in Shelby Lynn, nowhere near as much to discuss as Ween, <laughs> let me tell you. But you know what, let's get into it. All I can say is that uh, they have one of the most genres experiences the spanning, incredible, weird, bizarre, and sometimes angry, uh, angry to listen to discographies I've ever heard.
covered my life. And so let's just go into essentially what is the studio albums, which are basically kind of, basically canon, which are, of course, Godwin Satan, The Oneness, which came out in 1990. There is the uh, Fever Dream that is The Pod that came out in 1991. That, oh my god, it's a major label debut, Pure Guava, that came out in 1992. There are slightly more polished Chocolate and Cheese from 1994. The Country Throwback that is, of course, 12 Golden Country Greats from 1996. There is their thematic underwater record, The Mollusk, from 1997. There is their bid for almost mainstream-ish popularity with White Pepper from 2000. There is the weird and also kind of sad breakup album that is Quebec in 2003. And then there is the last album, La Cucaracha, from 2007. Now, if you're a hardcore uh, <laughs> worshipper of the Boognish, then certainly you might want to go ahead and include some other EPs or some other, like, B-Sides Rarities comps, because that would include things like Shinola Volume 1 from 2005, which is a bunch of older songs that they re-recorded, but it's kind of like ish. It's not in the formal proper to-do discography. Same with uh, Craters of the Sack from 1999, which of course has a picture of balls right on the cover of the record. And even like Axis Bold's Boognish is about as literal as the word mixtape gets. <laughs> yes, indeed. There are numerous live records. I think, honestly, this nine, these nine records here feels about right. I, there are, I've seen on some ween forms some people throw Shinola yeah. into the uh, discussion. Shinola does have one of my favorite ween songs, actually, which is Transitions. Yeah. transitions. I knew yeah. you were going to say that. Literally, the moment I heard transitions, I was like, oh, JC loves this. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. But yeah. it is solid. It is yeah. I love that transition. But, but, uh, it, also, it also has the, the iconic Boys Club. Yeah, but it really feels like more uh, Happy Hour mini sub material than anything else. Yeah, yeah, this, we're going to. After this, we're going to huff some scotch card and we're going to record the happy hour mini so because we need to be happy for it. But in that case, hey, guess what, y'all? It's nine albums. It's nine spots. And I will say, although the whole point of this is we're supposed to have fun as we go ahead and rank these discographies, I more, I've said it before. I don't know if I've ever meant it as much as this. I have no fucking clue what's going to happen. And you know what? I know there's some strong opinions in the room. Fuck it. JC, nine albums, nine slots. What would you nominate? As the number nine Ween album. Well, you know, general consensus would probably say La Cucaracha, but La Cucaracha is actually, believe it or not, my favorite Ween album. Oh, what? I'm just kidding. That album <laughs> fucking blows. <laughs> so, knowing you, knowing that you were our guest on our uh, Steely Dan uh, episode, uh, there was a small part of me that's like, uh, that could be legit. I, I tricked you. Um, no, I was, I was, I was with the, the cucaracha all the way. Um, it's, 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 you know, the magic was gone. I was gonna see. I was gonna volunteer one first because I just after this one, I just want to see where everybody goes because there's really only one I feel strongly about, and that La Cucaracha is the only inessential Ween album. I truly I, this week because obviously Taryn and I have been listening to it. I've been like a moderate fan. I had some albums, yeah. but I never really dug into the full discography. And I will say that. I'm just, this is, I think, possibly the only, we've talked about bad albums before, this is probably the only time I've listened to an album where every single spin somehow gets worse <laughs> than the one before. Save, of course, for two tracks at the end, which is, of course, Woman and Man and Your Party. Which is the weirdest fucking thing, because you're going through yeah. this album, and you're like, and it's grading on you, and then, like, yeah. uh, when you're at your worst, suddenly you get Woman and Man, and you're like, what the fuck you're just like, happened? wait, oh my god, <laughs> what? 
Why wasn't this the whole album? <laughs> this is so fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like maybe in my like top five Ween songs. I'm not yeah. even kidding. Like just make it's the, just yeah. such an on a completely different level from the entire rest of the album. I mean, I completely agree with you guys. It's it's totally uninspired. It sounds like the magic was gone when they recorded La Cucaracha. I I kind of fuck with Blue Balloon, but then but then but because it, it it sounds like they're doing a Donovan impression. Yeah. You know that yeah. Tina loves him, him doing impressions of other the, the, the yeah. soul. But but then then the synth comes in and it's like and I'm like, are we are we on a Mario Party loading screen right now? What is happening? Well, it's, they, uh, there's one song I kind of like. I'm I'm not gonna say it's one of the great Ween songs. Fruit Man makes me laugh because it's the oh, stupidest no, thing. No, it's no, so no, no, the dumb, no. It is a horrible. The problem is the problem is Fruit Man sounds like. It could have come off the first Gorillaz album. Yeah. But see, at least Damon Albarn would have had the sense to, like, to hire, to to hire a guest vocalist who is, like, actually from the Caribbean. Instead like, of doing it himself. Instead of just yeah. doing it himself. Like, it's it's bad. It's hard. It's, it's, rough. it's rough. It's rough. Well, the thing is, like, songs like My Own Bare Hands yeah. and Fruit Man, there are ween songs that are kind of like that from earlier. But this is, it's almost like self-parody. Yeah. You know, it's a very tired record. It feels it's forced very, to a degree. It's very yeah. forced. Oh, fucking but Spirit the, Walker. Jesus I'm Christ. trying to remember. See, I don't so even remember any of these fucking goes, songs. It's like, Spirit Walker. <laughs> it has the, the auto-tune on it. Yeah, but, yeah. But, like, he yeah. didn't, he didn't yeah. like, go in and, like, fix things. So when he slides between notes, because he's not a very good singer, yeah. it, it, like, auto-tunes each of the little mini tones in the slide. Sorry. Spirit Walker is generally considered one of the worst Ween songs across the board. Like, if you see anything where people just need to talk yeah. about Ween, like, it, like uh, it, Spirit Walkers consistently be, like, reviled. Like, people despise that song. Well, the other weird thing about this record is the Friends EP came out the same year. Mm-hmm. And the Friends EP is actually pretty good. I would agree with In that. In fact, the version of Friends... The record. Yeah, the version of Friends on that album is better than the, the version big of Friends techno pop version. Right? Yeah. I just don't. I, yeah, they decided so. to do like a, what I presume is a Madonna song. Like it's just this like wannabe Madonna. Like <laughs> a friend is a friend. It's yeah. like, if you actually took made it not shit, it'd basically be that. Like it's, the thing is that it's just so crazy because this band has spanned so many genres, and I felt like their confidence in that has uh, grown over time. And I just feel it feels just so unnecessary. It just feels so much until you get to Woman and Man, which outside of its two minute intro, then devolves into when I had it because we recorded this at uh, well, hopefully the tail end of uh, uh, the pandemic, the pandemic Lovato. And I will say that I in hearing it, hearing this live Woman and Man, when it breaks out into this guitar freakout, it's the closest thing my ears have ever heard to a live show in some time. It is just wild. It just feels like there's energy and chemistry. And even when you get into the, uh, hey, by the way, your party was great track, your party at the end, with its saxophone, like, it feels more genuine. They're coming from a different place where we can reference me and my wife love going to your party, which the band of Godween Satan would never have possibly recorded. That's kind of what I was about to say. That being the one, one of those two and that one particular being the only thing that I think is actually, like, any kind of significance to the Ween catalog. We're like, this is old Ween. Like, they're 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 doing that thing and now they're just writing about fun dinner parties. And pasta. Right. Tricolored pasta. Tricolored pasta. And well, and the thing is, too, is like, that's also like, that's real because you're writing your experience. You went to a party, you, it was, you know, this kind of wild, decadent thing. You don't have to force that because when you hear about, like, my own bare hands, when well, what is it, like, I, she's going to be a dick professor, she's going to study my <laughs> yeah, cock or whatever. Yeah. And it's just like, dude, just fucking, like, it, it just feels 
beyond immature, and, and they were past a that. A real quick thing point. about it, even because they've talked about it, even the band is not crazy about it, but it's like, a, it's because like, I think they were just kind of in a rough patch when they recorded it. I don't think, Gene, I think Gene's voice was kind of in rough shape, even when going into it. I think the vocals are like kind of really sketchy, but like, they were, they kept doing it like piecemeal, and then it'd go like long periods of time without doing it, and people recording stuff. It wasn't like both of them together always doing it. Occasionally somebody uh, might do it. And I think that comes in, which is like when you said, when you get to Woman and Man, why it works, is because that's like the band. That's everybody yeah. there. That is, I, I presume that is a full live track. Like everything was done with everybody in one room doing it, and that kind of makes it a much more substantial song than anything else that comes up. But before, because everybody hates me for this, the only thing I will say about Fruit Man, the fact that they say, <laughs> the fact that his idea is like a the, the Fruit Man took a stand with the Juice Man, is the dumbest thing I've ever found. It's so dumb. So number nine! Number nine on our list is La Cucaracha. How about that? No one saw that coming whatsoever. I will say I wanna I wanna know what I wanna know what Terran's number opinion. eight. What is Terran's number eight? Well, I had this at number nine, but I'm not gonna fight for La Cucaracha by any shape of the okay. the, the argument. But I uh do not like Godwin Satan. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I, I just, you know, I get it. It's early. It's, it's, I, I, you couldn't pay me to listen to this in one sitting. Um, I just. <laughs> Don't I, like those metal riffs, huh? Uh, I, is that what you can call what's happening here? I mean, it's just a mess. Know. It's just a mess. All the songs, it's like, it's either under two minutes or it's eight minutes. <laughs> um, a, r- a rare dichotomy you for know, most You know, like. Like, thank God that there's, like, some good things on here. Like, I fuck with Tick. Um, Let let Me Lick Your Pussy is, I mean, iconic, clearly. It's legendary. I don't even need to say anymore. And the only other song I really liked was Squelch the Weasel. What? That's the the one? Okay. Did it like Birthday Boy? Um, I did not like... The sounds that were happening during <laughs> Birthday Boy. Oh, I think the scent, I mean, I know it's an iconic Ween song. It is really their first kind of uh, del- delving into more mature territory. But I do agree, the production on it, especially on this record, is hard. When you hear it in like a live context or like so many other other songs, like there's a little bit more, I think, yeah. uh, impact and to I'll it. Even, I'll even give it that there are other songs on here where I hear potential, but there's just the... the the vocals are bad, the guitar's out of tune, the drum machine is offbeat, and I can't. Yeah. yeah. No, dude, I, I see, I love that, that, like, weird fucking production. Like, again, like, iconic brownness where instead of just doing, like, an acoustic track like a normal person would, it is the most phasery, chorus-style, chuggy guitar that has no <laughs> string tone <laughs> in yeah. existence. But just the idea that, like, it, it there's something... That weird visceral anger and sadness really just comes through. Like, on such like, a weird trip. The other thing I like about Birthday Boy is, again, like, one, God We See, great album by Ween. But it's like, it is, it is way too fucking long. I love it. I love this album. I put it on a lot. I generally, generally don't listen to everything back to back to back. And one sitting, like I'm like I'm not feeling this right now. I got to get through it. You can make a decent twelve track album out of it. It's seventy six minutes. Yeah, it's too much. In the time 
In the time that you have spent listening to Godwin Satan, you could have gone through a whole journey on to Pimp a Butterfly. Yeah, it is a minute longer yeah. than uh, that fucking a, album. That's a pro, uh, chronic problem of the first three records. Of just being too long. Very, There's no quality. Yeah. And they even admit long. that too that there is more of a quantity over quality uh, kind of debate that goes on. Uh, but then the thing about Ween is that then they accidentally stumble on no, the quality. But yeah. Uh, so the thing is that of the first three records, the the oneness is actually probably my. favorite favorite same um wow okay i actually think it flows better than the other two for what that's worth <laughs> um what is i know i mean i do i i will i will give you that like for example i remember thinking fat lenny into cold and wet into the bumblebees like that could have conceivably all been one <laughs> single idea yeah. and maybe it should have been because then that would have been a, co- a coherent like four five minute song instead of these disparate the, yeah like screaming for a minute and a half it's also really important to a note about this album is because even though it was recorded in 1990 or 91 um that is still you know these songs are written by Teenagers. 14 to 17 yeah. year olds a lot yeah. of these are like tiles yeah. from all the stuff that they made so, so then you get classics like you fucked up you know, it was written by an angry 14-year-old, which, oh, yeah. again, man, what is, ha, just get to, what a way to just get to the point. You fucked up, you bitch, well, when, you well, really the, fucked up. Well, when the record came out, they were both only 20 years old, so I mean, this, the early material, for all intents and purposes, was made by a couple of shitheads. But yeah. I mean, it, that, it, you know, right, they're, so, they're, and I don't like that. <laughs> and I, I, and I will say, <laughs> comparative to the next two albums, a lot of these songs have still survived the live set way more than I would say the majority that came on the pod and guava. Like, you're still gonna get tons of, uh, tons of ticks, uh, I got a weasel, cult, your, um, like, it never squeals and up on the hill. But that's the kind of thing that I kind of like. I kind of like about it, though. You're already getting that eclecticism when you're getting like these punk rock, punk metal stuff, and then you just get like dumb hymns with uh, like fucking up on the hill, and they're just. And or I don't think, laugh. I love you. Which I will say, it, it would help if the album had more of those because I feel like at some point it's nice when you're just getting like you're just getting this onslaught and you don't know what's going on anymore, and then you'll get like a nice up on the hill to kind of give you a little breather, and then you might get a. Don't laugh, I love you, but you get less and less on that. That by the point when you do get to that, like it's just you kind of feel like you've already heard this again, even though and it, it needs like Birthday Boy, I think, comes at the perfect spot because you've already just done too much aggressive shit. The other, the other thing about Birthday Boy is you know, I mean, it's preceded by a whole mountain of you know questionable material. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm trying. I try to imagine what somebody reviewing this record in 1990 might have thought when they heard that song. I mean, they probably wanted to kill themselves up to that point. If they even made it that far. But but, but to me, I mean, Birthday Boy is an important song in the history of the band. I think Dean is actually on the record as saying he he thinks that's the best song Aaron ever wrote. It's one of my favorite fucking songs So I, you know, that's my argument for it being slightly higher. But the other thing that I have to remind both of you is we aren't talking about their live output. You have to. I'm think, just saying that. Like, don't think about what it live, sounds like. Yeah, but by, think real about quick, what it sounds like. On by the live album, I get it. The live output is important because that's the stuff that is still. By that, I mean in relation to what people still connect to. Like, those are the songs that still work. They know that if they're going to do it, fans are attached to that and they know they're going to get a good response if they play 
any of these songs, most of these songs here. I'm not discrediting it. I think it's it's clearly a very important part of the discussion. What I'm saying is that every time there's a good song on here, there's a production decision that makes me never want to play it again. And when Mm -hmm. I'm talking about as an album experience, when I'm thinking about these recordings, because that's what we're ranking, every time we get a birthday boy or we get a don't laugh. I love you. I like what's happening. And then there's like a guitar screech that makes me pull my headphones out. Like I just, it's, it's, there's, there's production choices on here that I just can't get past even after listening to it three or four times. It's consciously. I would say that I feel that way more about the pod than I do about Got questionable songs, and I don't think it comes away feeling super cohesive. Would you put them. Would you put the pod at number eight? Was that going to be your vote? Probably. And I like again love the pod, great album by Ween, but it's not. Like- I am so fucking glad you said that though, yeah. because here's the thing: like I know there are some fans that think the very first three albums are kind of of a collective that this is their truest, most pure essence, their most brown, as it were. And the thing is that when you throw every idea on there, clearly you're going to run into issues. On there, so it's one of those things where I understand that like there were some things I really like on Godwin Saint, and I weirdly enough I think there's some production decisions on Godwin Saint which somehow mind-bogglingly are better than most of the things that showed up on the pod. But <laughs> even with that said, the pod has some amazing songs, and more than any other record, and for me even more than Godwin Satan has the most unlistenable moments because <laughs> the pod I feel like is just then although you know it, although this tagline they gave the press was that they you know were on fire cans of scotch guard when they were which, huffing that shit which you know when their fans started doing it they're like no 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 we didn't mean that yeah, sorry fans, that, yes, fans that's really dropping. stupid don't do that yeah fans are just dropping live like, oh you guys need to stop doing this this is a joke <laughs> yeah. like you're you're gonna die but like there were some good things on here but the pod is I mean and that one truly without bonus tracks added on is still also 76 minutes and it is it is a fucking thing I there are some songs I really 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 like on here what do you really like on this album uh, honestly uh, the, uh, Dr. Rock I mean I think that's one where and not to again talk about the live things but like that was a song that you knew from the basis like oh I need to see them live because I know they're gonna fuck it up Pork Old Egg and Cheese that little psychedelic classic that they had on there and then yeah. Demon Sweat as soon as they <laughs> discover their love of synths as soon as they discover like what they can do with that I feel like it, it was a kind of a breakthrough moment for them and actually now that we're going over this I'd kind of say that a lot of I feel like a lot of the better pod songs are stuff that still have sound like they or a little bit closer to the Godween Satan songs. Like, I think of the Stallion Part 1, mm-hmm. yeah. Dr. Rock, the stuff that's, like, you probably could have put on there is, like, a little bit more, like... Like, those are the songs that hold up more than stuff like Mononucleosis <laughs> or Boing. God! Yeah. I Well, yeah. I mean, Boing is Boing. A, a little nothing song, in my opinion. I The song... The tracks that stand out to me on here, obviously Dr. Rock, that immediately, like... I got 15 seconds in, and just like Evan said, I was like, ooh, I need to look up a live video. Um, I really like, surprisingly, uh, and it even feels random saying it, I like Sketches of Winkle. Dude, Sketches of Winkle's (laughs) great. It's a great fucking... It's just because we did Metallica this season, where I'm like, oh, this is like a really killer thrash song. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I, I, so I, I fuck with that totally. Pork Roll, Egg and Cheese is a classic. Oh, what was the other one? There was one more. Oh, uh, don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. Yeah. 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 Don't, sweat, don't a great one. sweat it. I was like, oh, okay. It's, it almost feels like an outlier on this album because I don't feel like they get that sedated. 
Dude, it's it, well. They said so. The story behind it is that they said that they both caught mo- mononucleosis right. in their recorded thing. That's one of those things that I feel like is also that backstory is kind of like an exaggerated thing to like help sell sell the mythology of Ween because I think it's more supposed to be like oh, so they both had mononucleosis. Then you go at the same time, yeah. and then you kind of wonder what the fuck. And so well, that's I, usually how, how it happens. Well, you wonder. Well, two two dudes who aren't in a relationship, you're wondering how they both got mono at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like sharing a cigarette, sharing a beer, I think it's sharing a microphone. Or they were making crack pipe. But that's kind of what I like. This was an album that also didn't it's click. The gay for me. album. This didn't click for me until <laughs> I listened to it during a terrible flu and everything made like mm-hmm. everything is delirious. And then you get stuff like "Don't Sweat It." Which sounds like being in a cold sweat. It's just like it sounds oh like you're like God, swimming yeah. and you're like you're just drowning in like your own body. They uh, but yeah, it, I like I like a lot of songs on here, but I don't think they I don't think it you you come away from this one necessarily feeling like it's yes yeah. yeah. What do you think, JC? Well, I do think it is perhaps the brownest record they ever made. I don't and, think that's in question. Um, <laughs> even right down to the album cover. But yeah. uh, to me, I would... Well, to me, the next three should definitely be the first three records, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. And if I were going to rank them, I would do Pure Wava, and the Pod, then the Oneness. But honestly... You mean from like eight? From eight to six. six. Okay. But honestly, I'm... You're, you're kind of mixed on it. You would put, you would put Pure Guava as the lowest of the trilogy? I would. Mark us through that a little bit, because I feel like, not that their production changed a lot on there, but I really feel like Pure Guava, in its own weird way, was a progression well, for them in terms of Sonics. You know, Push, Push the Little Daisies is a total classic from the alternative era, much like, uh, what's it called, by the Flaming Lips. She don't use jelly. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a great artifact. But beyond that, I mean... It's got some good songs, like, I, you know, Big Jones, really stupid. Um, <laughs> Don't Get Too Close to My Fantasy is kind of a wing classic. Yeah. I oh. love that song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah. I mean, that's, that's Taryn bait right there. Yeah. You end it with, like... Just, it was like 17 layers of acapella <laughs> harmonies. I don't even care that they're kind of out of sync. I'm here. I'm yeah. good. Like, just that spring theme is honestly... Yeah! So I feel like... Spring theme. I would almost argue spring theme is almost the, maybe the best song on the opening trilogy of things. Like, I know other things are classics, but there's just oh. something about see, them diving in. See, the thing rock. I would say, The surprising thing is I don't... I don't really dislike many songs on Pier Guava. I'd yeah. say comparative to the pod, I feel like the Pier Guava comes away feeling like an actual album experience. Probably maybe even a little bit more so than the other two, I would say. I, I would say that, because there are still some just shit moments on Pure Guava, but it weirdly holds together as an album experience But better. yeah, I love the fucking, I just love the weirdness. I think it's also slightly, a little, the production guys a little bit up a little bit, but I love songs like The Going Gets Tough from the get-go. Um, fuck I, it. Why, the Going Gets Tough from the get-go, to me, sounds like it's from like an early 1900s British musical. Like, doesn't it sound... Doesn't, the going gets tough from the get-go sounds like it. Like you need like two of the side characters from My Fair Lady. Like They're at a bar and they're like doing like a comedy number. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like That's a very wean approach, by yeah. the way. Um, you, got, you got Trey Anastasio's favorite song, Reggae Junkie Jules. Uh, yeah. uh, at least it, questionable. Your, your qu- favorite song of all time. Lyrics, but, uh, for the man. As a Matsafari, I'm very yeah, question, Questionable lyrics. 
unquestionably sick synth line. <laughs> I, I, also, I, I weirdly like, I play it off legit. Oh, okay. For some reason, that to me that sounds like something that like cut got cut from Fear of Pop. Mm-hmm. Like, just that like, it's sort of that like weird spoken word, like it's almost accessible, but it's really yeah, not. But yeah. Then, yeah, then you, you got, I think it, it gets a little more rough at the end. I like the song, but in a certain way, I think Morning Glory is kind of a punisher of a track. Oh, yeah, the worst, yeah, maybe the worst it. song they've ever done. Yeah, yeah, like up there with Candy or up yeah, there, um, yeah. And I, I'm not crazy about Loving Through Your All or Hey Fat Boy, but then closes out. I may, I feel weird about Poop Ship because I, I it, it's fun. It's not a great closer. They, I play, like, they play it live quite a bit. The, 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 the backstory with Poop Ship Destroyer, I don't know if you guys read about it, but it's also one of the songs that they would use to either reward or, or punish, punish the audience. Yeah. So if like the oh. band was like, re- if the audience was really weird and really into it, they'll do like the fucking weirdest twenty minute Poop Ship. And if like they're doing a show where like nobody wants to see them, where they're opening up for like the Foo Fighters, like they will just fuck with them and do like a twenty minute Poop Ship just to piss everybody off. Amazing. Um, that explains a lot. <laughs> Yeah, that said, though, I feel kind of slightly more strongly about Godween Satan, even though I think Pier Guava is probably the more consistent album. If we were to go and put these next three albums in the 876 slot, my personal ranking would be number eight, The Pod, number seven, Godween Satan, number six, Pier Guava, personally. Mine would be number eight, Godween Satan, number seven, Pier Guava, number six, Whoa. The Pod. Whoa! 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 <laughs> Where would John? you be? Oh man, dude, mine is extra controversial. <laughs> uh, I, I got, I got, a, I got a great list that's gonna get shot down, <laughs> fucking hardcore. But I would go uh, after the Cucaracha. I would go with Pod Eight. I'd go with Pure Guava Seven, and I would go with White Pepper Six. Ooh. We're, okay, 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 okay. More, more yeah. thoughts, more thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so in the, in the sake of argument, in the sake of everything else, I think we can at least roughly agree that the pod, by consensus, would be next. I sure. think that's kind of where we kind of have to go with that in order to get anywhere on there. Yeah. And I would say, of the other ones that we've talked about... And I, I don't think I'm going to have a William Bryan Jennings moment where I convince everybody that <laughs> fucking, the, that Godwin Satan is better. I don't think I don't think, I don't think it's gonna happen, buddy. I think uh, as yeah. much as much I, I won't put everybody through that. I mean, okay, I mean, but you've opened up the door for more conversations I, and discussions. Okay, so what, how do you feel? I I really really like Godwin Satan. I think it should be higher, but if everybody's gonna fight me on that, they, if you think it depends on how strongly you feel about Pier Guava, I guess. Well, if I have it six and you have it fifth, I feel like it probably should be. Just put Six. it. Put it the best of the originals. I don't know. So, are we saying Godween is seven? Or are we? Godween is six. Or Godween six? Yeah. And Pure Guava is seven. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Okay. Okay. Let's let's at least. Do I, that. I don't really feel that strongly about which of yeah. these the, is the the better. Touching on what John Harvey said. Let, number nine, La Cucaracha. Number eight, The Pod. Number seven, Pure Guava. Number six, Godween Satan. Yeah, someone just threw out White Pepper as a potential nomination okay. here. Okay, let's see. And that's what I would put next. I. Oh, whoa! Done. All right, let's 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 let, let's talk about it uh, though. Two thousands White Pepper, controversial in some because some would call it maybe the least brown album on there. A, a portmanteau of the White Album and Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club band together. It is essentially basically their most essen- uh, accessible album. It is their most polished album, and therefore it's maybe their l- most least weird album. And for the record, 
great fucking album by Ween. I'm not I'm not trying to say it isn't there. You know, these these Agreed. these gotta go to numbers. They gotta get ranked. Mm-hmm. I'm not proud about it. It's a real Sophie's choice out here. But yes. this point Alright. So why would you put this over some of the other records that are on there? I just well and also talk about your favorite moments, talk about why yeah. It's weird to put it this way because I think the first four are some of the best four songs Ween ever wrote. I fucking love exactly where I'm at. I think yeah. it's it's yeah. A, it's a strong song I really strongly connect with. On top of having another killer Dean Ween guitar solo, um, I like that. I just kind of like the, the songwriting is really fucking strong. Mm-hmm. It's really on point. Uh, the only thing is though, it's an album where I think like half of it is like some of the best shit Ween ever wrote, and then the other stuff by the sake of me again, like stuff's got to go somewhere. Stuff's gonna be worse than the others. The other half of it, I'm not, is not my favorite Ween stuff. Uh, it actually has probably my least favorite Ween song, which is probably going to be a really weird choice to hear. Uh, but I really dislike Pandy Feckler. Oh! I, I, knowing that it's basically a fucking shit on uh, Steely Dan kind of, like, makes it, like, in the same way that we had the fucking 19 Spider seconds Bruce. off of uh, yeah. uh, Godwin Satan where they make Old Man Thunder so where they make fun of Bruce let me Let me cover so because I'm going to try to make this quick so I don't fucking rant on this, but I think that, um, you know, like, we, like, give us a lot of immature songs. We, yes. we really, surprisingly, haven't really covered as much of that, but we have, like, songs like Nan where it's just like, yeah, I don't know the fuck about you or Danny. Like, it's, like, really immature <laughs> shit. And fucking... And so, like, a pa- but I think, like, a lot of it is all kind of in character. I think there's, like, this weird sincerity to it. I think it's, like, a actual acting performance the same way if you're doing a cartoon. There's a, thi- there's a certain amount of, like, of sincerity to the performance, even okay. when they're doing characters on there. Mm-hmm. And I think that some people like to say they're just being goofy, but I think that's kind of discrediting how committed they are to it. And whereas Pandy Fackler is one of those songs where I actually think is kind of victim of that. It's just, hey, dude, I had a, I had a crazy dream about this weird, diseased hooker, and she wouldn't leave me alone. That'd be a funny song. And I don't think it's really sold on that. And I, I kind of, it kind of, I find it kind of annoying in that regard. And hmm. I don't, I'm not crazy about the main riff. I don't think, it's weird, because I don't think it's the worst song ever made, or it's terrible. It just, I, it, it, it really ain't, there's something I find upsetting about it compared to the rest. Very interesting. Yeah, interesting point. I think she's got to get a coma, though, from doing the bossa nova. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I just got to be, we got to be ready for that. Um, but, dude, then it's got, man, then it's got, she's your baby, man. That's, dude, fuck, another classic it's one. It's a good song. I'm almost surprised that Stay Forever could, I mean, maybe because, like, they said the label kind of abandoned them at that point. I felt like Stay Forever was the one thing that Ween wrote that potentially could have actually been a hit. Like a crossover? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I don't, well, I, I mean, that's how I feel about, I don't, I don't remember specifically. Was exactly where I'm at a single? Was it a single? That sounds like, like, Whoa. rock radio in 2002. Yeah. yeah. Like, that, to me... Sounds like it should have been pushed and everywhere. And like, there's there's a couple songs on this album where I'm like, this is like I I think this is sort of an underrated track for them. I really like Back to Basin. I that think is a it's cool just song. gorgeous, and I love the guitar work that Dean does on it. The sort of mm-hmm. uh, on the chorus, the like back and forth of the vocal and the guitar. I I totally agree that the opening salvo is really strong. I don't like bananas and blow. <laughs> I'm but look, I get it. Yeah, I, dude. To be honest, I was being polite. It's not my favorite Ween song. I, I, I but I'll, I res- respect. It. I I respect it. I'm gonna skip it on every Heretics. time. Yeah. I like okay, but like, but I don't like Jimmy Buffett. 
and so I don't like the parody of Jimmy Buffett. Same. Like yeah. I just I'm I'm not I'm not here for it. But then I actually think that the the second half of it is just really solid. I don't mind Pandy Fetler, it's not my favorite. I really like the grobe. I just think it's like <laughs> yeah. a solid riff. That's a that's a weird one where again, I, I it's it's a me thing. I'm not gonna say these are bad songs. Uh-huh. The grobe just wasn't hurt it doesn't connect to me in the way it should. Yeah. Well, to me, you know, the the record, it's almost like, it's like a record in four acts. You have, like, the first three songs, which are almost like this, like, power pop kind of, I don't know, more pop forward thing. The sec the second pair, or trio, it's, like, kind of like the brown section, Bananas and Blow, Stroker Ace, Ice Castles. I love fucking Ice Castles, by the <laughs> so way. Of course oh, you do. And, and, then, <laughs> and then you have the three sort of, like, spacey psychedelic songs back to bass and grove and panty fackler and then you have this probably the, the, the sincere the, this the most sincere sentimental collection of songs maybe in their entire discography in the last three songs on this album so individually i love everything on this record i just think it's a, it's a little disjointed it's a little front-loaded. It's still, still. Even if you don't, is my jam. I, I, I think it. that's a fucking great, yeah. great, 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 great. And to song. be fully honest, when you nominated it there, there was a shock moment just because I have such an enjoyability of this record. Because yeah. guess what? You're on the fucking pop podcast, and we're pop guys. Sure. Jan, naturally, we're gonna like the pop, uh, pop oh, yeah. record. Great, great, just great, great songs. And also, just real quick, want to notice lots of fucking. Heavy ass guitar solos, even when the songs are really soft. Like every song yeah. just gets a hard ass guitar yeah. solo. But even you talking yeah. about it, both you talking about it right now, it's just like you know what? I'm looking at it, and it's like there are weaker moments on here. But I would say that we're also crossing a threshold right now of Ween albums. Now that we have every the early first three and La Cucaracha out of the way, right. of just like this. Now we're kind of running up against some like good quality stuff on here. But that being said, uh, I would not put White Pepper next. That is not the one that I would kind of put on there. To be fully honest, and I mean this with a a warm heart, I don't mean this in any negative way whatsoever, but for me personally, next would have to be 12 Country Golden Gray. Whoa! Yeah. Yeah. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. baby. 12, 12, 12 Golden Country Greats, I respect it. I, I mean, when I'm in the mood for that, the, the musicianship on display is absolutely fantastic i get it i'm i you know i'm with you but guys these are these are country cold chord structures that have been done a thousand times and they don't bring anything particularly new to them they're they're being outshone by the studio musicians i can't can't agree with that well well um this this is my favorite ween album uh, this is, I think, a top three Ween album. So oh my god! Shuffle, All right. yeah. yeah. This I, okay. Well, let's talk about it though, because for those who don't know, as they grew more confident in the studio, they began experimenting with genres. Kind of really evident on Chocolate and Cheese, their first proper studio record. So when they did this album, which I honestly didn't realize they didn't really play a lot of instrumentation on themselves. It was basically them going to Nashville, thinking they're going to make what an EP. Or they called like up the, they called up the musicians union so you could assemble a you could assemble a crack team of studio guys yep. that prefer, like dudes that worked with Bob Dylan and Elvis you could get them in about a day you could get them cheap because the backstory behind this album is that they were working on the mollusk and then uh, 
they went on tour, and while they were on right. tour, the pipes uh, in their studio broke, and it flooded everything, so they had to figure out how they were going to finish the mollusk. In the meantime, they ended up talking to the label. The label, like, because they had a conversation, they learned along the way you could hire these guys. So the label gave them some money, and they went to Nashville, and in about a week or two, pumped out 12 okay. Golden Country Greats with some other country songs that they had laying in the back burner for years and years. Right. Because they've, they've experimented around with country before, when it started and me go off chocolate mm. and cheese, and of course the terrible uh, late night uh, food order that they did on uh, their early record. I, uh, I, was, I, was, I don't know <laughs> either of those songs. I, but like genuinely because they're like south of the Mason Dixon. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? But the thing is that like there is obviously they're giving these kind of classic tropes their sense of humor on there. There's a lot of yeah. just weird ass songwriting, and in some cases, some fucking heart on some of those parts here. Genuinely, but it is just a wild mix for me, especially if you're looking at this lyrically. While I can appreciate the risk that they're taking on here, there's some songs that I fucking love, and other ones I can't fucking stand on here which is like, like there's some weird ones on every album on mm-hmm. here yeah. but listen I'd list, rather listen to Candy than Fluffy I'm so sorry oh, no, I, no. I, I genuinely I, I will can't say, deal with that I am shit. not crazy about this album Fluffy I think it's alright mm-hmm. the live Fluffy though when it turns into like a fucking dead like fucking Stella Blue or Morning Dew type of slow jam <laughs> that's when I'm like oh, okay Fluffy is fucking sick I mean I think this album is Fucking brilliant. I don't think there's... I don't... Um, You know, here's the thing. Like, a song like Fluffy, it's like... The whole album is satirical. They probably wouldn't say that because they're like, oh, we just, like, pump these songs out. We don't give a shit. But, you know, on every country album, there's, like, some sad fucking song about a dog. (laughs) That's the joke. They're sort of... They're poking fun at a genre. They're sort of contrasting the sort of elegance and class of the classic Nashville sound some really twisted, like, trashy shit. They're talking about the country music audience. <laughs> that, like, Piss Up a Rope is about the fucking audience. Yeah. You, you know, Pretty Girl. No, yeah, it's, it's it, like, again, you I, said, we were talking about the character thing. It's like, they did this in the character of, like, you said the audience, like, what the, yes. the ideal of country is. Like, it's supposed to have a certain blues to it, a certain blue nature yeah. to it that they're in. They're, like, very... They're, Despite being in character, they're still weirdly sincere. Homophobia yeah. and racism on Mr. Richard Smoker. You've got, you know, uh, I Don't Want to Leave You on the Farm is about a horse that's oh, going dude, to the I, blue farm. I don't know. I think I that was fucking hilarious. I, I, I don't understand know. that, but I guess it just, I don't have the space for that that uh, you do. I, I, I don't, th- I'm just kind of surprised in that, no, I mean, help me scrape the mucus off my brain. I think it's one of the best songs ever written about addiction. It's I think it's a top five fucking Ween song. That's probably my favorite song on Absolutely. here. Absolutely, yeah. along with uh, I'm "You Were the Fool." You were the fool. You were the fool. It's, it's not fantastic. super yeah. popular, but I do love. I just love. I'm holding you. I just love the simplicity of it. The vibe. It's I'm so sorry. <laughs> Something more precious than <laughs> fine ore. And so, not only is that it's the stupid so lyric that you say well, over and over well, again, but you you like pull all the music out and fall out of time for it to highlight it like four different times. I get that it's a parody, but I don't think it's funny. It's, a little, it's hilarious. Well, you know, it's just that little twist, that that yeah. that play of words, fine or like what is he talking about? Just, yeah, he's talking he's about talking... fucking drugs. That's what he's talking about. It's a joke because on the surface, no, seriously, hear me out. On the surface, you listen to that song and it's like, oh, it's just like kind of this like country love song, pretty straightforward. But if you really, really analyze the lyrics on this album, every song 
is completely fucking twisted, but it's subtle. It's, it's, you know, they are riding a very thin line and I, you know, powder blue is about drugs too. You know, (laughs) it's, it's, but it's, I don't know. I think it's hilarious and fucking yeah, yeah. totally Dude, brilliant. I think it's fucking hilarious so, that you're that again on top of it. Yes, being about drugs, but also that like your reference, like, well, what's precious to a cowboy? Like, I don't know, fine or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nothing is fine or. Of all their like, a lot of their humor is very on the surface, but to me, this, this album lyrically, you know, it's kind of like a puzzle box album. You know, I like that kind of stuff. That's why I like. It's their Silly Christopher Dan, Nolan album. Like a, right. Yeah. You prefer albums that you need to listen to 50 times to, to properly appreciate It's their gaucho. Right. In a sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, um, I, I... In that I, case, real well, quick, JC, what would you put there as... Uh, I'm curious, what would you then do? In, well, if, if it not cho- Golden Grace, what would your pick be? Oh, White Pepper. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. We were super still... Yeah, yeah, white I just kind of assumed White Pepper was good. Yeah. But I, it's, White Pepper's still good, don't get me wrong, but... I mean, I I was shocked initially, but if I'm being honest, White Pepper would probably be coming up soon for me anyway. So I I would be fine putting White Pepper at five, but only if Golden Country Greats is. It doesn't part. seem like we're gonna get much further beyond that. You know, I feel I, that, we are on different sides of the track on this there one. Is, yeah, but I I think I know what the next three are probably gonna be. I, I think it doesn't matter because it was it's it's one of the next few coming up. I think regardless, I'm I'm okay. It, I guess it depends on who feels more strongly about what. I I guess I I do think the country one's better. If you want to say is is Let, is White Pepper the better Ween album? Is it more Ween? I think we can at the. I think before we get anything, we're clearly at an impasse. I think White Pepper, and I'm willing. I'm willing to go with it because I'm noticing what else we're talking about here. I'm okay with having White Pepper go at five. It's not maybe what I would have picked first. Obviously. And I agree that it dips in the middle. Like, right. I get what you're saying. Exactly. But I, I I'm fine with doing White Pepper next at number five. Okay, let's do it, and then. Let's just do twelve golden country grades because I don't think I don't yeah. think it's going to get much further beyond. This. But we this let it be registered on the docket and on the record. It is JC's all time favorite Ween album. It is. It, it is. could have been yeah. my number two. I don't, I, just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, we'll see. Okay, in that case, number nine, La Cucaracha. Number eight, The Pod. Number seven, Pure Guava. Number six, Godwin Satan. Number five, White Pepper. Number four, Twelve Golden Country Grade. All right. Well, I think probably the key of all of that is that yes there are uh, very different I think we does different things for different people so I'm kind of unsurprised that we reached an impasse like that but that does mean that we have three albums left which are Chocolate and Cheese and The Mollusk and Quebec and so now I would say Taryn O'Reilly what would you throw at number three of our remaining candidates uh, I will say that two and three are very 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 close for me uh, so I'm definitely open to discussion. Ah, uh, this is really hard. Um, I, oh, 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 this is, this is, I went back and forth on this a lot. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the mollusk. Whoa. Okay. Are you just saying that? <laughs> 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 so I, 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 we need to dive into this though because I think for some reason I had going into this week I had the notion that pretty much everyone agreed that uh, the mollusk was the best record and I think that's also true because there's been a couple different press clips from both Gene and Dean that have said it is their favorite record altogether and in listening to this record there are 
Uh, and say is one of the things where there's just so many great songs on here that genuinely uh, I can understand why they would arrive at. I'm also, but when I listen to it, especially listening to uh, the other albums they put out, there was kind of a question mark hanging over my head. I'm like, is this this really their their best one? Uh, because while everything's nautical themed, they're still obviously exploring genre all over the place, from the hard rock of I'll Be Your Johnny on the Spot, to uh, the almost show tune that is I'm Dancing in the Show Tonight, to the pure, uh, you know, ukulele pop of Ocean Man. It's all over the fucking place. And it's weird because, you know, again, as with Ween, you have to kind of take everything out of thing. Sometimes you got to be in the mood for a song like the motherfucking Blarney Stone. You really, you <laughs> oh, really yeah. do. When we saw we were watching the live in Chicago performance, fans were just happy as shit to hear it. And sometimes in my ears, I fucking hate it. You know, I mean, like, it's, yeah. it's a full on. It's. 2 a.m. at a pub <laughs> in Ireland in yeah. 1920. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just, you know... There might be some pirates there. <laughs> and that's, Maybe, yeah. That's honestly one of one of the dings, one of the only dings for this album for me is that both Blarney Stone and Cold Blows the Wind are traditionals, right. which just, I, I... Seems having two traditionals is definitely an interesting choice. It's an interesting I, choice. I, I don't, I don't, it doesn't bother me, but I, it is something I've also thought about a lot. Like, just, they really did two traditionals, yeah. And I, and I like... Cold blows the wind. I do. Yeah. I, it's just you know, it's it's just an odd choice <laughs> to me for an an a a band that's so much about experimentation. Yeah, it just it it's, felt uh, like an odd choice to do traditionals, especially among when when you have other songs on the album where like Buckingham Green to me feels like he's fully doing his David Bowie voice. You know? And like, yeah! There's a, couple, there's a couple other Child things on there an where he's definitely like, he's like swapping on various hats. Yeah. And, and two of the hats are, and I, I, I don't have anything against traditionals outright. It's No, just I, you're, not, you're not alone in that. It's, it, 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 again, like I said, it's something I've also thought about a lot, even if I don't know if it's bothered me. It's something like, that is a really, like, compare, comparatively, my, but yeah, like the mollusk is generally considered the magnum opus. It's a you know a top three for me. I'm not surprised it's here. I think uh, I think what's interesting for me is that even again like similar to white pepper, I'm not sure necessarily how many of these are my like top twenty, top thirty weed right. songs. There definitely are a few, but it's weird that as an album, I love all these songs together. Even though I think the next two might actually have more of my a larger collection of favorite ween songs mm -hmm. i'm not sure how much i comparatively like this is a really fucking tight album especially by ween standards. yes mm -hmm. yes jc it's uh yeah i actually think it's probably their best sequenced album oh yes um, yeah. you mm -hmm. know the fact that ocean man comes second to last and that's just like totally great kind of weird i think i'd agree with that yeah song. Mm -hmm. If you want to call it a pop song, and opening with "I'm but, Dancing in the Show Tonight" is definitely kind of puts the audience in its place of like yeah. we're gonna do whatever <laughs> yeah, get the ready, fuck we want on this one. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. I, I, I love the dark nautical theme. I, I pretty much love every song on this album. Tell you the truth, yeah, I, 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 the ballads, you know. Uh, it's in my top three as well. So yeah, pink on pink on my leg. I think is the only part where it really kind of wavers. Okay, so let me, let me talk. I about love about the weird instrumentals. I love the weird instrumentals. Pink eye is one of my favorites for the dumb reason, dumbest reasons. But uh, Swim took drugs. You know, remember Swim? Any? Oh, JC, you're letting me down here. Really hardcore. <laughs> okay, what? It's, it's, a, it's, a really, it's a really dated reference. Okay. Anyway, Swim took drugs and fucking listened to Pink Eye on My Leg and fucking... Dude, just laughing with fucking tears streaming. It's the... Dude, it's so... It's so funny. So when, the, when he just starts doing the... Uh, 
yeah. Just like being like high, like like out of your fucking mind, like was just crying, laughing at this fucking song before on acid. And this like the then like the little dog bark noises. I know it's not the best song ever made by a long shot. I just really fucking enjoy this song. But then on a more serious note, uh, I am weirdly obsessed with She Wanted to Leave. Yeah. It's, I, that one grew on me for sure. Dude, man, I just I just really fucking feel for that pirate, man. <laughs> I just, he becomes the pirate. Yeah, dude. He's trying to steal I, her back. Yeah, yeah no, no, you're right, yeah. And then, she, and then she hits him with the... She's like, oh, she never loved thee. Oh, <laughs> it's just fucking... It's like this weirdly heartbreaking song that doesn't really make a lot of... You can't really tell exactly what's going on. The details are really vague. He might have kidnapped... He might have kidnapped his wife, for all you know, based right. off the lyrics. They might have just been taking her back. And uh, it's still, it's just this weirdly sad, tragic song. And you're like, why am I so, why do I feel so hard for this pirate? Right, yeah. You're saying? Was, was that one a traditional as well, or did... did no, that's, no a, Jean, yeah. that's a Gene-er. Okay, yeah. well, that being said, I think Gene really doesn't get enough credit as a lyricist sometimes. And that, that one in particular, yeah. just as like a story song, I think, you know... It's a, it's a step forward. They, um, it's also really weird when thinking about this album that if this album never existed, there might never have been SpongeBob SquarePants. Because it was inspired the creator, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he was a, uh, Steven Hillenberg was a marine biologist, and uh, he, he got some work eventually drawing for Ren and Stimpy. And he just, uh, he was a big Ween fan, and he just mailed the dudes, like, I've got this idea for a cartoon, like, would you guys be mad if I did it? And go ahead and then made the biggest fucking cartoon since Looney Tunes that has ever existed. Mm -hmm. And I just, it's just such a funny thing. They ended up also writing the loop-de-loop song on Spongebob about mm -hmm. tying your shoes. They end up getting there and end up capping out the Spongebob movie with Ocean Man. But They're still yeah. their most streamed song of all time. And it's weird, though, because in looking at this, one of the things, like, I understand that it is a well-structured song, and I understand, uh, album, and I understand that it is a, like, solid and consistent album. And it's weird how, like, I like all of these songs, but I don't love them in the in the degree that I do for the uh, rest of the uh, some of the other two albums that we have remaining. Because the other ones have, like, knockdown, drag out, I could put them on any mixtape any day kind of songs that just change my life. And the Mollusk is, like, good and really good songs, but they they don't always hit that same level for me. So honestly, I'll be honest, when Tara nominated it here at number three, I'm like, I can see that. I know it's loved and revered by Ween fans and the band themselves, but like, three feels about right for me. But I don't know how I feel about it yet. I'll nominate, nominate one in a second. I think mm -hmm. one question I'm curious to, uh, I want to ask you guys is, because uh, there's, no, uh, there's no obvious single. And I remember in that Stereo Gum piece, they talk about how... Uh, the label said mutilated lips and like what are you stupid and in a weird way I'm like I think mutilated lips was the only thing the that made only sense choice yeah <laughs> I, because that's exactly I mean not not the only only choice yeah. but when you think about like uh, and of course I'm blinking on literally every band's name right but now. it reminds but me like, of like gorillas like a little bit of, or yeah. like savage garden yeah or like that sort okay. of that sort or like fucking one wink by B and L there was there were a lot of hits during that time where that were a sort of like. White boys not rapping, but kind of in Dude, that style. I get, I get what you're yeah. saying. I get what you're fucking saying. Smash Mouth's All Star is yeah. entirely just right. him doing that. Sh so yeah. that's like to the extent that before I read that quote, I thought that, that they the wrote "Mutilated Lips" to be a single. Like Same. literally, it sounds so much <laughs> like a hit of the era yeah. that I assumed that that's what they were it's, going it's for. Too weird to be. 
yeah. hit, but I understand. I totally get what you're saying. The weird thing is that the years start not, coming not and they Britain, don't stop coming. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how I feel about quite between that because, like, like you said, like uh, I, you know, I love the mollusk. I'll be your Johnny, but then like uh, it's gonna be all right. Good song, not my favorite. The golden eel, good, not my favorite. I mean, oh. I, I feel I like love the golden to eel. me, yeah. to me, I feel like the arc of this album and White Pepper are very similar. It's really yeah. strong out the gate. It's really strong at the end, and then there's a sort of lull in the middle where there's a couple songs in a row where I'm like, okay, um, like I, I, having talked about it a little bit, I'll go ahead and because I mentioned it, but Buckingham Green is one of my favorites. Oh, it's one then. of their iconic. It is yeah. fucking epic. Yeah. And, and, and like, obviously we've talked about Ocean Man. I also really love Johnny on the Spot. It's just, that, that was another one where, like, every time I listened to it, I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Dude, that uh, live uh, one is so sick when one. he starts hitting the high notes yeah. and it starts going. Yeah. Of Diener's punker songs, I actually think that one's probably the best one. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. Dude, JC going to derail this, but it's kind of, kind of like the realization, though, that how much of the solo for Buckingham Green is secretly just a minor key Allman Brothers solo. Once you dip it down there and you realize it's just him doing fucking Dwayne all. Like, if you, if you break it down, like, that's kind of what that solo actually is. Yeah, I, I could see it. If I can. So, what I thought my original for, because I thought 12 Country was going to be higher for me. Um, okay. The one, uh, what I thought was going to be my number four, and again, these are all pretty equal albums. Right, I'm yes. not, I don't think, I don't, I, at this point in time, I'm not sure how much I actually care which order they're going, but if I were to put one, <laughs> I would say Quebec. Quebec was probably my fourth, even though going over it though, I listened to it. I'm like, man, actually, I really don't. These this is a surprisingly tight collection of songs, and I actually don't really dislike that much that's on here. On any given day, any three of these records you could have at number one. Yes, yeah, in my opinion. I mean, so since you threw it out, I'll go ahead and say Quebec is my favorite. That is your favorite. That like, is... hands down, no question. Also, I am of the same opinion. And also, Here... for the record, Taryn and I didn't talk about yeah. this beforehand. It just so happens to say, be. Yeah. Let me say something about Quebec, though, more, more positive, is that, in a way, I used to kind of think this about chocolate and cheese more, but now I kind of think a little bit slightly more about Quebec, is where I feel like Quebec, you really get a little bit... You get str- you get stronger pieces of all sides of Ween on Quebec than yes. you get it. You're getting the really weird brown stuff. You're getting the solid songwriting. You're getting the really emotional songs. Even, like, when you get something strange like fucking um, Happy Colored Marbles, which is both of sincere and... like it's just both, I love that fucking yeah. insane song. It's, a, it's, a, it's both... <laughs> It's both devastatingly sincere and just as dumb and weird as anything you'll find on, like, the the first three albums. And I think that's kind of, I'm like, man, this is a... Why I don't think I would be mad necessarily if it was a number one, even though... Because you're getting all that territory. Well, going back to what you were saying, John, I actually think it is the brownest album since maybe The Pod? Maybe. Or or Pure Lava, at the very least. One thing to consider is this was their first album after their Electra contract expired. Right. White Pepper, in a lot of ways, it's sort of, there was a trend amongst a lot of bands that were signed during the alternative era by the time the year 2000 came around and Teen Pop had kind of exploded, blah, blah, blah. They made all these really pop-forward records. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe in a hope to get re-signed because it was the last album in their contract. I know that was the case for Fish's Farmhouse Records. Hmm. More about Fish later. But um, Quebec, to me, is sort of like, okay, well, we lost our major label deal, and now we're just going to 
do what get we want. fucking weird again. And the thing is, is that, like, I feel like on Quebec, they show their cards. Because there is obviously uh, the, the partiness, there is the joy and the weirdness. Because it's going to be a long night immediately followed up with Zoloft. I think kind of tells you almost everything you need to know about the record within two songs. But the thing about this record is that the song, some of the songs on here are absolutely transcendent in a way that speaks beyond the fan base of just pure ween heads. Because Transdermal Celebration, I can put on for anyone at mm-hmm, any time, right, and they yeah. can appreciate it as a guitar yeah. god status. And personally, the thing I've never heard the song before, I Don't Want It, is one of my favorite songs of all time. I don't think I've ever heard a song that is just so heartbreakingly sincere and honest and open. And to get it from motherfucking ween... Of all people. And the thing is that, and obviously, clearly, Gene was going through divorce at this time mm-hmm. right there. Gene yep. was going through uh, withdrawal. Occur- no, he wasn't going through withdrawal. He was still heavy in drugs at yeah. this time, too. So it was a com- conflicted album, too. I would say, one thing we didn't really touch on, though, is I feel like Gene has always had a lot of, like, his, his, really, his love life is almost painfully too documented in these songs. There's a couple songs that I think everybody's glad to not make on there, like um, Be My Wife, where it's like, well, we broke up and I got you pregnant, let's get you married. Hey. And I'm like, ah! Like, yeah. at the end of this song, you're like, yeah. it's, it's a nice song, but stop! Gee, yeah. You know? Yeah, they fucking, they, but like, between all the way up to Birthday Boy to here, there's, a, you get the kind of why I love that she wanted to leave. There's a he has a real sappy lover boy energy that when like you do get genuine heartbreak, like on a song like um, I don't want it. That's also another one of my favorite Ween songs. I think it's fucking incredible. Even the guitar solo is brutal. Oh my god! The guitar yes. solo is yeah. punching the gut. It's fucking. It's like for an instrumental, like it's just as potent as anything else in that song. Right, and so that's the thing for me is that like there's actually throughout Quebec, and I'd say the reason why it's my personal number one is because while the other records sometimes are weird for the sake of weirdness, there's this this thin underlyingness of sadness to everything. Because when you listen to Zoloft with its happy kind of Muzaki kind mm-hmm. of funhouse vibes, when you really think about it, like they're just kind of distracting themselves with everything that's going on. There's just a deep sadness in between it that this like they're kind of covering up with all of this weirdness they're trying to even like you know uh hide it but they sometimes can't it's sometimes even like i don't love the musicality if you you could save yourself you'd save us all but like when you when i dig into the lyricism of it like there's still like this amount of self-confidence that's being projected out there that is just touching and heart-rendering and powerful and just that fucking just the just the 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 visceral vocal performance i mean that's what sells it for me yeah because it's it you know this is another time where he put on a hat that's been worn a lot of times before but you can sell anything if you put yourself into it all the way and i i really think that that's an example of he really he screamed that vocal take and it was worth it i think well i i get frustrated because i feel like quebec should have been the final ween album yeah. It should have. It should yeah. have. If you yeah. could save yourself, or I don't want it, should have been the final song. It should have been. It should have been the final Ween song on there. Yeah. Um, but dude, there's also a strange. I also. I think similar to like uh, when we went over like Bowie. I like really kind of like manic, sometimes anxious, and like this and paranoid music. And this is like a strangely paranoid album. If you go to it between stuff like Zola. But that's why I love shit like so many people in the neighborhood, which so is just like this, <laughs> the idea that you move. You're, I'm, I'm assuming, presume that I don't know. Let's throw a scenario: he gets divorced, you move out to a new place, and you're like so trying to walk through the shit, and you don't feel normal. Like nothing feels right, but you gotta fucking do it. Yeah, and you just fucking it, that that drum beat. 
just that song is such a wild brown ass song. And then the then the opera singer that comes in on Among His Tribe, just that loop. Uh, it, yeah, uh, that was one I never I never really paid much attention to. And I remember you finally listened to Quebec, and I was like, that was the song you connected to. Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, oh, this is like fucking dope. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's I mean they they don't do this a lot, but they you know they pulled in the sitar and really uh-huh. gave that sort of like Southeast Asian ethereal thing and i i really dig that track i that's this was the album for me with the fewest skips the only song on here that i don't like really like is the fuck jam yeah i and i think the fuck jam would have been totally fine if it was literally just if it did three times and bounced if it was just an interlude and got out well that's what that's the problem i have with a lot of their brown stuff is it's just happening for too long yeah this is like once it goes upon like at some point even even though i don't mind it i think like it's a nice little brown thing but by two two three minutes you're like no it's a it is a it is a preset micro korg synthesizer patch arpeggio and some drums. It is. It is. It does not deserve that runtime. Well, every album of theirs has like a song like that, sort of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another yeah. one before we because we covered most of the album. The other one song that I really, really feel strongly about is Chocolate Town. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but just it's a really kind of touching, heartbreaking kind it's of a pretty song. song too. Yeah. It's just gorgeous. Yeah. My my favorite that we haven't mentioned yet is the Argus. Oh God. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot uh, that top five or. Yeah, I t- yeah, it's and that that was the top fiber that crept up on me. Like I, I felt like I didn't notice it until my third time through the album, yeah. and I was like, "Oh my god!" Same. So, yeah. That the ending is just like that's that they build that song and perfectly. He, he just that he turned when especially it's also strangely brown because like Dino's doing uh, he's got his fucking. Um, whammy stuff on there so he's making his guitar sound like a flute and so he's just doing like he adds like this flute yeah. instrumentation to it yeah. and that solo he hits right before you there's so many incredible lyrics on that you think this is the touch my tutor guy right. you know what I mean <laughs> right. Right. This is, and, and then he's like and the Argus is practice compassion with an eye on you as one is on me like fucking just like crazy shit actual poetry yeah yeah there's yeah. like, and I'm like a spiritual bent on some of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I fully, I fully, I fully get that. But hey, listen. While we're here, before we even talk about nominations, just because we're talking about these three, can we talk about chocolate and cheese for a moment? Can we just do that? Yeah. Boy, I that little I album think, called Chocolate. But and we cheese. didn't talk about Hey There, Fancy Pants. Yeah, okay, let's <laughs> talk. That song, hey, that I can't not smile. Yeah. It's so stupid. That's, it's so fucking stupid. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, it's like top ten ween songs. This is so me. shocking to me because that, that, not that I think it's bad, but it's definitely not one of my favorites by a long shot. So when Evan and like, was like, dude, fucking hey there, Mr. Fancy. It's like, that's here. Oh my God. <laughs> again, like, it's we, flawless. Again, like, that's what we're talking about earlier. Because people, people have such different attachments Fully. to different things. Yeah. That that's why you'll never see, you'll never get ten ween, doing this is already a chance. You'll never get ten wing fans to agree on shit. Absolutely. I mean, let's not forget. Yeah, Yeah. his number one was twelve country golden country greats. But also at the same time, JC, what are your thoughts on chocolate and cheese? I mean, it's famous for a reason. Mm -hmm. You know, once for me, once you get to Mister, would you please help my pony? (laughs) Like when I first heard this record, to me, it was going into all timer territory. Okay. I mean, the first half of this record is just like unassailable. (laughs) <laughs> it's fucking unbelievable. You don't like the second half? That's the thing. The second half is great, but, you know, 
I think most of my favorite stuff is the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also have sort of a slightly, I can't believe I'm kind of shit-talking chocolate and cheese. It's an amazing record. But you have a slightly indulgent section in there with Candy, Buenos Tardes okay. Amigo, okay. I mean, the yeah. HIV it's, song. Buenos Tardes Amigo is, is the seven-minute one, right? Yeah. Yes. It does. I mean, three minutes maybe. It's actually a good song if you and like the, in terms of the story. I like it. I think it's but, but it is a little long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I I like it. I think it's. I kind of like. I've said this plenty of times. I kind of like the live version more, if only because uh, it plays off a little bit more like a journey. Whereas, like, because everything is so fixed in time, right. you know, these are mm-hmm. un, like uh, they're not doing the whole band thing. Everything is specifically recorded to be as clean as possible. So mm-hmm. when you do that for seven minutes, I kind of can get a little bit more. Um, I kind of really didn't notice about how the slightly more indulgent stuff from Voodoo Lady past that, but I, I this is an album that, and I know no one's going to probably agree with this. I like I like every song on this album except for one song. I, there's really not a miss for me here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, what Diener was talking about is a weirdly surprisingly earnest song. That was too. the song yeah. that that was the song that kind of made me fall in love with Ween. I like you said, Jason gets the whole thing. That was one where I'm like, this is a cool little album, and then you get to that and. It's maybe the simplest song anybody's ever written in the history of music. It is so. <laughs> it is the most basic chord progression, but it is. It is so sincere and so touching, and I think everything about it is because it, I think the other thing about it is that one, people kind of latch on to Ween because of the the outsider nature of it. It doesn't seem like not. It doesn't seem like this music necessarily belongs anywhere. And I think a lot of people mm-hmm. who sometimes listen to Ween get that. But also the fact that Dean and we compared to like rock bands like fucking like Led Zeppelin or The Stone, Dean Ween and Gene Ween feel more like people you actually know and friends in a certain way. Like they seem the like weird, the weird guys in the AV club. Or, yeah, yeah, they're like yeah. that. And so I think when you do get this beautiful song, like what Deaner was talking about, there's like this the, that encapsulates so much of what I love about Ween. It is this weird, simple track that is literally just dedicated to friendship and doing something exactly. weird. And it's just like, hey, buddy, I, you told me you had this. You you. Did you, you guys you guys learned what the song is about? About right? panic yeah. attacks. So, yeah, so it's yeah. about panic attacks. Like I do, I get what you're talking about, man. And it's this really touching thing that, uh, like again, maybe like on a surface level, might not be like if you want to be like, look at all the great music they made. It may not seem like the most immediate thing that you would go for, but it's one of my favorite things they ever made. Yeah. Um, Everything John said. <laughs> they, they, uh, they uh, yeah, I, 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 I feel it's kind of strange. I, I feel like it's kind of crazy that they have an Elliot Smith song before Elliot Smith ended up even yeah. getting his first debut yep. album. Damn mm-hmm. straight. That um, I, I have a, I have a, I have a joke theory on Voodoo Lady that I think the only reason why it's picked on, picked as a single, is that somebody from Elektra was like, well, it kind of sounds like Spin Doctors, <laughs> and just fucking was <laughs> like, I mean, I, that was that was one of the. the quotes from the book that I liked was when they were talking about Voodoo Lady. They were like, this song is dumb. It's about nothing. But the beat is really good and everyone dances when we play it live. So we like it. I'm like, that, yep, that completely sums it up. I am not here for the lyrics. But but dude, yeah, fuck it. It's solid. So many all-time classic Whedon songs. And again, I've I've avoided talking about the live stuff because I'm a good guy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, but like these, like if you look at if you go on the setlist FM and you check out it, like uh, the majority of their live set over the years is this because you know that they can play pretty much any one of these songs and they mm-hmm. know it's going to get a good response. It's a reliable arsenal of tracks yeah, going mm-hmm. on there. You're gonna Joppa Road, I fucking love. Yeah, it's basically, 
that was another one too where they were like, it's our Ventura Highway. And I was like, yeah, you're completely right. I called that even before I read you say it. Yeah. Fucking, uh, it's, you got stuff like Roses Are Free, which became famous. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, it's their Prince parody, and they've done that a couple times at this point now, and it works beautifully. Uh, then they got the beef because they didn't blow up until Fish decided doing a cover, which they hate. Yeah, allegedly, yeah. Because they thought the fish cover sounded like shit. Because yeah. the fish cover does kind of sound like shit. <laughs> I, mean, I like fish, but I don't think... I, I I kind of agree with everything in there. And also the fact that it's 30 minutes. Yeah, you can jam on it when you don't actually play Roses Are Free for third, like 20 seconds. <laughs> you can do that with any song, really. <laughs> it's, it's only Roses Are Free. Well, they're, they're also actually very heavily influenced by Prince. Yeah. And Roses Are Free is definitely... Their most princey song. I, I mean, yeah. let, let me lick your pussies up there too. But that, like, yeah, yeah. Just, just take an actual Prince lyrics to make the song. Yeah. The other, yeah, it, it's the other kind of thing about. You, you, you get like so many iconic songs. I know you. I know you're a not fan of, of Spinal Meningitis. Yeah. I think that's. Oh no. I think Spinal Meningitis. And, and again, it's fair. You guys don't like it. There's, there's it's a weird song, but fucking, uh, I kind of think it's like a really. I think it kind of sums up a lot of the best, like, the, the, the defining qualities of Ween. Because, like, we were just talking about Prince. Like, they're deeply inspired, where, like, those earlier songs is them, I feel like, taking the lessons of Prince and then just doing the weirdest, most demented stuff within that templated format. So, like, if when you get, like, a spinal meningitis, instead of, like, being, like, I'm going to be a sexy Camille woman and do express my femininity, they're like, no, I'm going to, like, get to, like, the real dark side of my brain and do, like, uh, a and child scared of dying and make it spooky. And instead of, like, having, like, dancey fucking uh, When Doves Cry synth, we're going to make it sound like a horror movie. Dun, 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 dun. It's just coming, just, it, I think it comes together with the most, like, iconic, ideas that you get yeah. from it. And it's a really dark and twisted song, obviously, but it just got such a great fucking groove. Wait, once you, know, once you get yeah. past some of the lyricism, I understand that, but... I'm fine with the lyrics. It's literally just the 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 child vocal effects that takes me out. I don't like hearing... I do not... I don't it is upsetting. Like to it. It's, it's, it's deeply upsetting. disturbing. That's and that's, that was one thing that... We watched the live in Chicago, and they still had the vocal effect on live, oh, and I was like, and I understand why it's an iconic part of the song. Sometimes but I just it, it freaks me out. If you look, you can dig up some where they don't do it. With I'm sure. Yeah, and that's, yeah, it's a it's they sometimes don't do that. They um. But also, look, this has tear for Eddie. It does have yeah. tear for Eddie. Eddie. Uh, which is, I think, one of the best instrumentals ever. I think it's flawless. I think it is a classic stoner jam. And I remember in the book describing it as, like, the time that Dean outed himself as a secret guitar god. And I'm like, I don't know if he outed himself with it. Like, there's a couple examples, even on the early Brown days, where, like, it's, well, it's clear he's... This was the yeah. first one that was in tune. <laughs> <laughs> well, most of those are all in tune. Well, those are all Stabbed not in tune because they were fucking deep because the time slowed down. Right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. But I agree with that. But that's the thing, too, where, like, when we're also, talking... Also, in-tune guitars are overrated. Have you heard those Neil Young albums? It's fucking... Uh, it's fucking... Uh, noise. Anyways. Uh, you don't fuck with trans, bro? Uh, but no, you don't fuck with trans? There's a, only a certain level of discordance that oh, I can... No, not, a, not, not at not all, Neil my Young friend. Neil you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get it fucking, you gotta get I'm it. kind of fun Wanda. You gotta get those in-between semitones. It's about the microtones, Terrence. It's about the songs it's you about, don't hear. It's about the microtones. Anyways, uh, so that's the thing. Between Chocolate and Cheese and the Mollusk in Quebec, 
my and I'm just gonna sum up my personal thoughts on it before we dive into it, like in ranking everything. I like the diversity of chocolate and cheese. I like the consistency of, of the mollusk, but I think the thing that pushes Quebec for me is that underlying tone of like actual emotion that I think permeates all the songs, which I definitely don't get on chocolate and cheese. Only kind of get on the mollusk, and for me, that's the reason why it pushes it to number one for me. But that's just my personal ranking. So would you though. put your so then for you personally, would chocolate and cheese be your third, or would that be your? It'd probably be my. Second, just for the reason of I enjoy the diversity. It's also for the record that was my first Ween album, so sure. I do have a little bit of nostalgia yeah, goggles I'm a on. Bit and the same way, yeah. And so it's just the one that I just hold to the most. But that's just me. JC clearly has thoughts on the matter. Well, he's very conflicted. Every time I'm on here, I always go with like you know, like when I did Beck, I'm like, oh, Odelay is number one, and then Steel Again, Asia's number one. I gotta go with Chocolate and Cheese because okay, because it's, it's the album that made them. Okay, and and without that one. Maybe, I mean, they're still a cult band, but maybe they're even more of an obscure cult band, you know what I mean? So, like, in your mind, it would be Quebec number three, Mollusk number two? Yes. Okay. Quebec is sort of like a sequel to Chocolate and Cheese in some ways, I I feel like. So, I don't know. I I think I don't agree with you, but I I respect your opinion. (laughs) in, In terms of the variety... Okay. But the, the mollusk, to me, okay. the, the, okay, the, yeah. the concept is what pushes it ahead. I think it's the... T- I'm kind of with you in that it's the total package of the mollusk. It's like it, that... And the band thinks that's their best album. They, like, I, I don't care what like, they're like, <laughs> We're the chartographers, baby. I, I personally we did this for five years. If, uh, I wouldn't have cared if, you know, the mollusk was... Or, or chocolate and cheese. That Those are ones that kind of buy for my number one and two. I personally... And I had this... I, I also had a moment where I'm like, I don't know, man. Because like, like I said, Quebec really does have yeah. a lot of the great qualities. But then I went and did chocolate and cheese again, and I'm like, I just fuck with this so hard, yeah. and I still don't get old with it. I mean, that's that's for me. Chocolate and cheese and Quebec are are definitely close. They're both really solid with like one or two skip songs. It's just I I think to to me I I know that this band is all about taking the piss. So maybe I'm not the best person to be judging sure. them, but I connect with genuine things, and to me, Quebec. And the songwriting and the storytelling there reads as the most genuine. And so that's that's what pushes it ahead to me. So maybe as a compromise, and just hear me out here, because obviously Tara and I have expressed our love of Quebec quite enough, but what if we actually had uh, The Mollusk at number three, Quebec at number two, and Chocolate and Cheese at number one? I mean, it works. JC just gave me a look. I'm trying to do the math. (laughs) (laughs) The problem is the two sides of the room are in direct opposition. Right. Wait, was your... Was chocolate and cheese one for you? I think I would go with it even though I'm... Like, I wouldn't be upset of him, but, like, that's that's where I lean. It's still just chocolate and cheese. I went through this whole thing thinking that maybe I might switch for a while. I'm like, no, it's, it's got to be the Miles. Because that's the one that even for, like, nobody agrees on the same albums, it's generally at least considered the magnum opus, even if it's not considered your favorite, in a sense. Yeah, and see, I don't buy true. that shit, though. That's because not you're what like, we're talking about. Right, exactly. I'm just talking about the best so, album. So, I mean, if we're to talk about the, the best end. album, I would do The Mollusk if you're talking about... Oh, really? The, I mean, if, in that regards, if you want to talk about what I think actually encapsulates... Like, start-to-finish listening experience? Well, the entire, the entire ideological premise of Ween, you know, trying to be, like, capturing all those angles of that, I think it's... I consider a lot of Ween still, like, like I mentioned earlier, that are, the growth of trying to 
dement lessons from Prince and other and their favorite record collection into these types of things. And that's where I feel like you get the songwriting of the second half better with the same general weirdness of the first, which is why sometimes I'm like, is it that's what you get with chocolate cheese? It's more representative, whereas I'm not sure the mollusk is necessarily actually as representative of the whole ween discography. Well, here's the thing: chocolate and cheese was also the great leap forward. Yeah, I and I, I and I abide by that too. Where even What's even that? with its flaws, I still chocolate and cheese still feels like that grand ambition. It all it, like even if like, there's songs I hate on there, I at least appreciate. There's that joy of exploration of just being in a studio and being able to sound professional. Also means we can sound like all these other things that we weren't mm-hmm. able to before. And there's kind of a joy of a release and the freedom of that too. Where yeah, they can still do shit like uh, candy and weirdness like the HIV song, and yet it still kind of works in its own weird introverted universe way. So I I I, I do buy that argument. Whereas like the mollusk for, again for me. I understand it's kind of maybe the purest expression of the band, but on a song-for-song basis, I would still put Quebec and Jonathan and Cheese higher. That's kind of where I'm at. I like the experience of the Mollusk more, but I would I think the other two are kind of slightly more solid collection of songs. I guess where I'm looking at it from is, is just... Is, and, and <laughs> is I, this I pop would, music? I wouldn't say that any... No. What I'm looking at it from also is that none of these albums are perfect, and so... In that case, which one of them has the highest batting average? And to me, that's... If we're talking about batting average, I'd still go chocolate and cheese. Okay. I'll yeah. back slightly after them. I think it's... I don't know. I mean, it depends on like, how especially they feel. I mean, I'm okay with the Miles get three. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. It's generally... Like I said, my three generally swap around between 12, Golden, Mollusk, and Chocolate Cheese anyway. So if we did Mollusk at three, Quebec at two, Chocolate and Cheese at one, would you sure. agree And I, I agree with that. And even I feel kind of weird because even right now at this very moment, I'm kind of in the thing where I'm like, Quebec is a really fucking strong showing for the band. And right. It is. But also at the yeah. same time, JC had his number one album go at number four. And I understand that and respect that at yeah. the same time. We are respecting opinions on here. So you know what? I think... I think it's time, friends, to lock it in with our lock it in segment brought to you by Scotch Guard, ironically. Uh, number nine, La Cucaracha. Number eight, The Pod. Number seven, Pure Guava. Number six, God Mean Satan, The Oneness. Number five, White Pepper. Number 12, 12, Golden Country Greats. Number three, The Mollusk. Number two, Quebec. And number one, you knew it was coming, Craters of the Sack. It is the, the best <laughs> album by all, because no, it's chocolate and cheese. But most importantly, in case you didn't know this, this is a 90 minute episode that we just fucking put down. And none of us agree with the rank. And none of us agree. <laughs> the ranking. So as you know, that just means we have that much more to talk about in the Happy Hour Minisode, and we're going to get to it right after this, but in the meantime, though, J.C. John Harvey, genuinely, though, thank you for encouraging us and pushing us and throwing us into this wild fucking universe to actually do a goddamn ween episode. You I didn't appreciate- fuck up. <laughs> you bitch. You didn't fuck up. Oh, this is the nicest compliment. Could you but- smell my hole? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, happy our minisode is going to be wild, friends. In the meantime, though, uh, if you uh, want to question our brownness, please uh, go ahead and leave a review for us uh, on all the various sites on the iTunes and all the other places. Uh, anything you do that is great. Again, we've gotten some wonderful comments from people who say, hey, this is a fun podcast. Other people will say, hey, your opinions are infuriating. We appreciate all opinions, uh, just like we appreciate the Ween discography. So in the meantime, though, catch you in the happier mini. So thank you so much for listening. Keep on listening because you know that we'll be. Have a good one, everybody. Good. Bye.
Uh, so Ween was basically founded by just a teeny little. Yeah, it's yeah. I think you are you are clipping. Clipping hard. I, mean, I, I deal with that Clip all the all time. Day, every day. Every single day. Oh. You know how much I love to be and as, you, as you learned from the book, clipping doesn't sound as good digital as it does on tape. Oh, wow. Which we all learned because <laughs> yes. we read the book. Exactly. We did read the book.